You know, every person has their own belief system and values that are formed throughout life. Now, here's the thing. A lot of times we're not even aware of what's being formed. We just kind of do what we do with the guardrails that have been developed that we're kind of blind to. And so while we might be excited about one thing, afraid of another thing, a lot of that is determined by our values and beliefs that if not careful, go unnoticed. It's important to know what's guiding you in life. Now, here's the thing. Churches are no different. If not careful, churches can just kind of slide into this is who we are. This is what we do. And they're not, they're not even aware of what is driving them. And that's really why I'm so glad you are here right now. See, as we are launching into this series of boldly bringing hope, I mean, that's our vision statement. And, and we're, we're talking about the very heart of who we are and what drives us. What, what causes us to make decisions? I mean, what are the guardrails that stop us from going this way or that way? How, how do we answer the, the problems of life and even culture as, as it attacks in so many ways with some messed up beliefs? Where are we going to go? How are we going to approach it? You know... Uh, we really jumped this out right away this last week in the first sermon of the series, and we talked about our foundation. And as we jumped into that, now you might have either just been gone or not listening, even as we did the slow jam. I never thought I'd do that in a sermon, but it was a blast. We had a good time. We jumped into this mission. The mission is to love God, to love people, bring the two together. Pretty simple. It's a combination of the great commandments and the great commission where Jesus is asking, you know, what, what's the most important thing in all the law? And he says, well, that's simple. It's to love God with all that you are and love people as you love yourself. And then he says, that's what everything in the Bible would be summed up as. He gave the final great commission, his instructions to the church in what is called the Great Commission. And he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all men, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And be sure of this, I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to be with you through all that comes. I mean, it's just this powerful, powerful place found in Matthew 22 and 28. So today, we're going to go into the next five weeks, actually, of looking at our core values because that was our vision and mission, boldly bringing hope, and then love God, love people, bring the two together, and it's our hope that you guys would join us in that. See, it's not a matter of the pastor or the leaders or just a few people who would boldly bring hope. It's my vision that every single one of you would be bold in your faith, that you would boldly share with those around you who need the hope of Jesus Christ and that together we would be so much stronger. Well, I want to read 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 through 17, which is the text of today's sermon. And it's the very basis, the foundation of, of where we get our first core value from. And I'd like to ask you just to, to read this out loud with me. All scripture is inspired by God, is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives, 
It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. That is a powerful scripture filled with so much meaning. We're going to unpack that today. And and I just want to encourage you to not just go, oh, yeah, I got this. Oh, yeah, I kind of know this. I know what the Bible's about. No, 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 no. Remember, a lot of our beliefs and our values are often there without even realizing it. We got to look at the foundation of what we really believe, what is driving us. Because as you look at UCC, as you look at University Christian Church, some of what we share, you may go, wow, that excites me. I'm passionate. I want to get on board with that. And it may, you go, oh, kind of puts you off and a little bit annoy you. And Why are they doing that? You know, there are a lot of good churches around Manhattan. I hope that UCC becomes your church home and your family. But we got to be united in purpose. We got to be united at heart. And you got to understand what drives us. And it's because here's the truth church is not about you. It's not. It's not about me. Church is not about me. Say that with me. Church is not about me. And I know that's hard to admit, but it's not. See, church is all about him. It's all about a, a lost world that outside of Jesus Christ is going to die and go to hell. It's all about bringing these people who are lost and introducing them to a God who loved them so much they sent his son to die on a cross for them. It's about bringing them into this beautiful picture of becoming a Christ follower and what's called a being a disciple. And so as we jump in today, see, we get all of that from one place. That is what we call the Bible. And biblical authority is the value that I want to stand on today and help you to understand this is where we get what we get out of of what we do and and where the guardrails come from. This is what guides our, our, our very essence of our programs, our beliefs, our decisions, our values. It all flows through this first one, biblical authority. See, when it comes down to it, I believe straight up, this is the word of God. And what I tell you really doesn't matter at the end of the day if you don't know the word of God, and if it's not from the word of God, it doesn't matter. See, from that scripture that we just read, let me just pull a few key points I want to grab hold of to help you understand why we filter everything through biblical authority. First of all, it is inspired. When I say God's word, that's not just some symbolic action of saying, oh, it's kind of something that somewhat points you towards God. No, it is the word of God. You cannot pick and choose from the word of God and say, I like this, I don't like that. It's like when I said, I want to marry you to my wife, I was all in. I'm taking the good and the bad. And she took the good and the bad. And she can't say, I want to live with the good berry. And would you just leave the bad berry alone? I'm sorry. I come as a package. And, And so when it comes down to the word of God, you cannot pick and choose. If you pick and choose, you just have an organization, a club. You don't have a church. See, the church is formed as the bride of Christ, the body of God. It's the army of God that goes out. And it's all founded through the foundation of the word of God. 
Let me describe a little bit of how this Bible came to be. See, it is written by 40 different authors from all different backgrounds and educations and occupations on three different continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe, in three different languages, in Hebrew, in Greek, and some Aramaic as well. It is approximately over 1,500 years brought together with one theme, our salvation, and with one main character, Jesus Christ. Hey, this is amazing. 1,500-year period, all these different authors, 66 individual books brought together in one, and it makes sense. Ah, You know, here's what it all comes down to. I can sum it up in three sentences. You got Genesis through Malachi. It's all about Jesus is coming. Hey, it's just that simple. That Jesus is coming, that we've all fallen. We've all, I know some of you are going, wait a second, Genesis through Malachi, what is that? Hey, that's, well, let me just tell you, that's the part of the dusty part of your Bible that you haven't opened in a while, and it really kind of misses you. There's some great stuff back in here in this part of the Bible. Some of you don't even have that. You just have a New Testament. I would really encourage you, read the Old Testament as well. There's some wonderful wisdom in here. Genesis through Malachi, it's unwrapping one solid theme. Man, we need a savior, and his name is Jesus. You got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's called the Gospels. It's just about Jesus is here. That's all it is. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. It's all about our, our the, the very life of Jesus as he sets up the church, as he trains the disciples, as he sends them out, and the church takes birth. Now he dies on a cross. He comes back to life three days later. Powerful ending. We jump into Acts through Revelation. It's pretty simple. Jesus is coming again, so we need to be ready. So he has said, Jesus is coming, Jesus is here, and he's coming again. Let's get ready. Ah, We make this thing out to be so complicated, but it is the inspired word of God. See, the Holy Spirit, it's as if he held the hand of each author. It was written by both God and man. It's both fully divine and fully human, just as Jesus was. There are many translations to the Bible. But in its very essence and in its very beginning, it was absolutely without error, written by God. It is our, it's our word from our heavenly father to us. No other book is this unique. I'm amazed by it. See, people read books all the time. I mean, they'll read a book to get lost. They'll read a book because they want to learn something. They read a book and, and they just kind of get lost for a while. And what do you do when you're done with the book? You put it on the shelf or you put it away or you say, well, I just hit, go off of my, because you don't have a book, you just got the electronic, whatever it might be, but you're done with it. A few classics you might read a few times again. Why is it that when people open up the Bible, they never really get done with it? See, I, I am never done with the scripture. I reread it. I memorize it. I highlight it. I underline it. Why would I do that? Because it's the word of God that comes alive in my life. It, it changes me. It builds me. It strengthens me. It holds me accountable. Why would I believe that this is the word of God? Well, just a couple of quick things here that, that would all be much deeper summarized. If you want to jump into a couple of resources I've lifted on the app and also listed in your bulletin, if you have that. But, but it's just to start with, the archaeological evidence is overwhelming. People and critics for years said, well, the Bible's not accurate because, see, this is wrong and this is wrong and this is wrong. And then they dig a little deeper and they went, oh, shoot, it's right. Oh, 
And people are still digging. And as they go, well, I'm not sure about this. And guess what? They dig a little deeper and they go, oh, ah, it's right again. You know, the manuscript authority, which is the evidence as to whether we believe in something really is from where it claims to be. Hey, let's just go. No one doubts whether Aristotle and his writings written around 343 BC are, are true. They don't call, oh, that's a myth. But guess what? The, the earliest manuscript authority we have is 1100 AD, less than 50 copies. 1400 year gap. And yet we have no problem believing that one. You know, in, in the New Testament alone, 3,500 Greek manuscripts all within the first generation of Jesus' crucifixion. It is amazing the manuscript authority that is here. Beyond that, you go into the changed lives and that have happened century after century after century. You start with the disciples, the apostles. I mean, these guys went from cowering and being afraid and hiding out and and all of a sudden, they're passionate, proclaiming that Jesus has risen from the dead. Why would they do that? Because they talked to him and they saw him. You don't go from hiding out and scared to giving your life. In fact, all but one tradition goes on and from history that goes on to say that they all but one had horrific deaths. You don't die for a lie knowing it's a lie. They had spoke to, they knew. They knew that there was no body in the grave because they had talked to the risen Lord. And that's just the beginning. 2,000 years later, I've seen lives after life that has been transformed by the power of just getting into the word of God and hearing the message of, of a God that so loved the world that he sends his son that we might have a life and find life in him. See, this is amazing, the power that it has shown century after century. Oh, it's useful as well. Not only is it inspired, it is useful it is filled with information I mean, from business to integrity to character to, to I mean, all kinds of truth about marriage, about relationships, about parenting, I and mean, just wise advice. It is filled with so much good information. But here, make sure you listen for a moment. Because I've known atheists who can read the Bible, get lots of wisdom out of it, and have it a lot of useful information. They can quote you from the Bible, but it hasn't changed their life because they haven't encountered the author of the Bible. And, and can I just be so bold as to say the church is filled with people who have missed the mission. Let me just use a, an illustration of this. Uh, trivial Pursuit. How many of you have played Trivial Pursuit? Come on, just raise your hand if you have. Let me see. There's a lot of you in here. Now, you know, Trivial Pursuit, classic game. Those who are the, the, the Trivial Pursuit snobs, if I might say, want to play the 81 game when it came back out. Now, uh, when it comes down to it, I'm sorry, but some of the answers in there are wrong. They're based on urban legends, myths that aren't even true. I'm going to ruin some of your guys' day, but let me just tell you, Thomas Crapper did not invent the toilet. I, it's funny. I mean, he did do something with the float that later on they helped, but he didn't invent the flushable toilet. I'm sorry. You know, uh, here's the problem. A lot of people in the church 
have bought into a lie that trivia is deep. Now hold on with me because some of you may not get where I'm going with this. Some people start to worship the God of knowledge and they forget to worship the one who gave the knowledge. And we hide behind knowledge and we study a little more to 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 feel a little bit better about ourselves all while we're not doing what it's saying really. And we've forgotten the very essence of what it's about. See, there's this idea that people will say Bible trivia is deep. Oh, I want some deep Bible study, Pastor. I want to get down into it. And, and well, no, 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 no. You don't want deep. You want the shallow, simple study. It may be complicated. It may be confusing, but that doesn't mean it's deep. We like what is called deep so that we're not held accountable for what the Bible actually says is the main thing. See, let me just rock you just a little bit more because this is a huge essence of what I believe and where we're coming from as a church. See, simple is not shallow. Say that with me. Simple is not shallow. Now, some of you are going, wait, I don't know about this. All right, one of the simplest things in the Bible, what did Jesus do when he said, what is this? Just sum up the whole Bible. What's most important? He said a really simple thing. Love God and love people. What did he, what is the very last thing he said is, here's a simple thing. He says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples. A simple proclamation. The great commission. Oh, it's simple, but that's not shallow. That's the depth of the Bible. That's the depth of the heart of God. That's the very depth of what we're about here. And we cannot miss the mission. We cannot hide behind information and avoid what he's called us to do. See, here's the problem. 61% of regular church attendees have not told a single person about the gospel of Jesus Christ, the depth of what we're about, the central focus of what we're done in the last six months. And then we say, I want another Bible study on something. I want to learn a little bit more. Let's get deep a little bit. No, we don't. You're hiding. I like to learn, and I want you to be learners of the Word of God. I want you to be absolutely equipped and prepared to go out and to do the work that God has called us to. But don't you dare use that to hide behind. The mission of the church, which is the deepest thing in the Word of God, is to love God, love people, and bring the two together. It's to love him with all of your heart, to love him with all your soul, all your mind, the very essence of who you are. And then go out and treat your neighbor as you treat yourself. And from there, we as a church are called to go out and make disciples, followers of Christ, and know that he is with us to the very end of the age. It is useful, but it also corrects us when we're wrong. And we have been wrong, we have been wrong many a times in our lives. See, I get excited about the useful stuff. Ain't that's good. But I don't like being told what to do. If I said, hey, how many of you like being told what to do? Anybody raise their hand would be a liar. Uh, nobody likes being told what to do. You know, my wife and I, uh, when we're talking, she has an English minor. And uh, if you've heard me preach for a while, you, you know I just like make up words sometimes. And I'm like, if you know what it means, it's a word. That's good enough for me. And, and she's like, that's not a word. I'm like, well, they knew what it meant. And, 
I don't like it necessarily when she points that out. Huh. I'm like, that's how almost the English language came to be. If somebody made it up, it got popular, and now it's in the dictionary. And so I'm like, I'm just starting some new stuff. <laughs> She's like, oh. <laughs> I don't really like being told that I'm speeding if I'm speeding. I don't really like to be told stay in line. I don't really want, I want my options. I want to choose what I want when I want it. And so do all of us. But the Bible says, wait a second, there's somebody else in charge and it's not you. And this is vital to understand because when the Bible says something different than what society says, when the Bible says something different than what you say, when the Bible says something different you don't really like, it doesn't really matter how we feel about it. True just has a strange way of being true. And we just got to say, okay, you're the boss, I'm not. See, people in and out of the church struggle with authority. They don't like authority. I, I don't like authority. And, and so we fight this thing called authority and we push God back and, and we say, you know what? Well, my definition of God is, well, you know, I, this is how I read the Bible. And, you know, that's just stupid. It doesn't really matter how you read the Bible. It just matters what the Bible says. It doesn't really matter what you think about God. It just matters who he says he is, not what you say he is. He's not created in our image. We're created in his. So just remember that it is the authority in which we base truth from. And then fourth of all, it equips us. Oh, what does that mean? It equips us. This is, this is a foundation, a lot of, of, of what models my preaching and what drives my preaching is, is that I don't just preach so that you can stick stuff up here. Bam, bam, let's put a little more in. Let's put a little more in. I, I preach so it can go from here to here to here. And if it's not going to here, if it's just getting stuck here, we got a problem. And so we got to make sure that this is going out. It's all about doing in the word of God. You know, as I love what James says, he's like, yeah, you can talk about your faith. How about I'll show you how I do my faith. And I'm like, I love the book of James in the New Testament. He's just solid. He's just like, let's do it. Let's stop talking about it. Let's do it. And, you know, right here in the scripture, as we're looking at, at 2 Timothy, it's all about the emphasis, the word used twice, do, in the scripture. We are called to go, not just Think about, we're called to be the church, which involves action, and we fight with this. See, there are a lot of what I would call so-so Christians in the church. They're just so-so. They're missing so much of what the church is about. They're missing the life that God has called them to. Let me just explain this for a second. Hopefully this will make a little more sense to you as to what I mean by so-so. You know, I, I talked to you about this last week, and we've been talking about it for years. I challenge every person to be in the Word of God on a regular basis. Don't just come and hear what I say about it. You need to listen to the Word of God, read the Word of God, and see what God says to you because that's where it gets powerful. I'm just to kind of, you know, spark the imagination, kind of give you some direction. And then when we read through it together, it's awesome. We're all going through the Word of God at the same time. I love this thing. See, we use an acronym to, buy, to study the Bible. You read Scripture. To, you go through it. We're all reading the same thing. You can get one of these at the information desk in the foyer. Then you use an acronym to study the Bible. Scripture, observation, application, prayer, and then share. This is a powerful acronym that helps you to understand what DEEP is. Now, the problem is, is most Christians stop on so. 
then they're just so-so Christians. You know what? Well, they find a scripture and they make an observation. They find a scripture, they make an observation. They find another scripture, they make an observation. They find another scripture, they make an observation. And then they teach a class on the observation. Then they have another scripture and then they make an observation. They write a book about it and they say, here's my observation, here's my observation, here's my observation. And and they're just so-so because they're not ever going deep. They're in the shallow waters of just information without transformation. You know what deep is? It's when you complete the soaks. It's you do need to read the scripture, make an observation, and then you gotta dig out of that to find application to walk out in your life. And then you begin to pray about it and say, God, form in me a heart that is after your heart. And then you share that truth with others around you. And that's when you start to see the depth of what God has called us to. See, I wanna call you to be more than just hearers of the word. I want you to be doers of the word. That's what the Bible has called us to. See, the Bible explains the most important message and all of humankind that we've ever heard. And it was written by a creator God who loves you and cares about you. See, when it comes down to it, we have all sinned. We have offended a holy and a righteous God. We are not in the same class as him. We're created in his image, but we go our own way. And the Bible tells about his love for us and his compassion and his grace and that he sends his son to go and die on a cross and take upon himself our sin. He stays in the grave for three days. He arises victorious to proclaim his victory over death and for all who would believe and trust in him will receive eternal life in his name. That is deep, my friends. And if you have not called out to this God, If you have not said, oh Lord, forgive me of my sin, I pray that you would do that today. See, there is hope in no other name than the name of Jesus. There is hope in no other name than in his name. And the Bible tells us of his love and his calling and his purpose for your life that is so much deeper than anything else This week, I challenge you, go deep. Don't you dare stop at the observation. You find application, you find prayer, and then you share it with another one. And then you start to see the glory of God spreading all throughout Manhattan and your friends and your family. Pray with me. Oh, Lord, we come before you in mighty God. And we ask in Jesus' name right now that you would just burn alive in our hearts. Father God, please may your truth May your truth make more sense to us as we lean on your Holy Spirit, as we open up your word to the point that that it forms our heart and our thoughts and that we don't run after society. We don't run after what others would say is true. But we, we would listen to you, that we'd find our meaning in you. And we'd sense the love of a God who wraps his arms around us and says, welcome home, my child, welcome home. Oh, Lord God, thank you for forgiving me and giving me hope. Thank you for calling me to something greater than this world. And I ask that for each one here, they would hear your calling above all else. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me? We're gonna go into a time of invitation. See, each and every week in the back upper and lower right-hand corner, we have a prayer team who would love to talk to you about your next step. We'll pray with you. Here's the thing, you're not to hear the word of God 
and go, oh, nice observation, and walk out and go do our own thing. We're to hear the word of God and we're to place it in our hearts and then go live it out and be the church. Don't you just go have lunch. You pray about it and say, God, what do you want me to take home? What do you want me to live out? And I promise you, he'll answer. Oh, he's good. And you, you're his prized possession. You're his children. He wants to adopt and welcome in. Let him have all that you have. You won't regret that. Let's sing and you respond.